0: Happy Father's Day. If you're a dad, let's stand up and just thank these guys. Dad, stand up right now, and uh, thank you. Thank you, Dad. Thanks for being a dad and being there and being in church. It makes a statement, man. It makes a good statement about uh, well, about a lot of things, <laughs> all right, all right. So, happy Father's Day. So, there's a website, uh, Adventures with Dad. Here's the story behind it. Um, a young couple, they were working from home uh, during COVID, right, and they had a baby. And so, then uh, the mom got called back to work, like, outside the home. The dad continued to work from home, so they said, well, you watch the kid. You know, you're going you're to raise the—you're the, going to watch the child at home. So. Dad's taking care of the baby, mom's at work, and she's freaking out. She's going, you know what, and texting him multiple times a day, how's it going, how's it going, how's it going, how's it going? everything okay? Well, the guy finally got, you are driving me crazy. So he says, look, he decided to send every day, he sent his wife a picture um, to put her mind at ease, uh, to reassure her that everything was okay, all right? Everything was okay. So, so he sends a picture and said, hey, we're on a bike ride, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. And then uh, he's giving, uh, giving the child a little skateboarding lessons, you know? I mean, this is, this is how it works. You want a little X game thing here going. And then, uh, and, you know, he's helping around the kitchen. You know, hey, we're doing great. We're uh, getting the cake mixed up here. And then they had some home improvement projects they need to do. So, I'm gonna get him to help out with the painting a little bit. And then, of course, hey, hey, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you guys? I mean, any dad sitting here, you know, you got to teach your kids the correct use of power saws or power equipment, right? Do I hear a yeah? Yeah. That's right, man. We got men in this church. We get it. We get it. All right. And then they, you know, they decided to have a nice walk along the beach and uh, check that out. And then, you know, you got to hike in the mountains, right? Fresh air and see the, get a good grip of God's grandeur and all those things. So, so I like it. And the mom was totally <laughs> at ease after that. All right. So, you know, uh, you know, if the truth were known, truth were known, um, being a father rocks any man's life. It rocks any man's life. From the moment that she says, I'm pregnant, your life changes, right? Right? Raise your hand if you've heard those words from her, I'm pregnant. Let me see. All right. It, it, it rocks your life in a variety of different ways. Now, when you hear I'm pregnant, the first thing, it depends on what the relationship with the woman is, right? 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 Uh, you know, and it's not, maybe you're not married or whatever, but if you're married, not married, or whatever the situation, and maybe it's your season of life, maybe you're young, maybe you're older, and you're going, whoops, you know, I mean, whatever it is, when, when you hear those words, I'm pregnant, any real man who wants to embrace the responsibilities that come with him of being a father, um, you know, it, 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 uh, it rocks you. You know, you know, if you're thinking about it, you know that there will be a human being who will always look to you and only you, and you're the only person that they will be able to correctly address as, you're my dad, you're my father. And see, regardless of what the relationship is with the mom, your, that relationship, um, your relationship with your child is for the rest of your life now dads any real man understands this wants to move into this and say okay i need to embrace it but anybody that's thinking at all it's going to be this is overwhelming wow this person's going to call me dad what do i do i have a kid Right? What in the world am I going to do? So today we're going to look look at a guy who can relate to those feelings and those kinds of things. We're in a series here uh, uh, called "By Faith," and we're looking at different people, their stories of how they walked and lived by faith in God. Now that's pers- that's important. Everybody lives by faith in something. We're looking at stories about people who go, no, I'm serious, I want to live by faith in God. I believe God exists, and I acknowledge that I need him, and I'm going to seek him and believe and trust that he's promised to reward me in this and that I want to obey him and follow him and put my faith in him and love him. So what does a life look like that by faith uh, in God lives out their life. And so, a number of stories. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to pick up another one. Um, Our stories have come out of Hebrews chapter 11. There's a list of stories. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Rahab. Um, embrace the spies. By faith, Abraham left. By faith, Joseph. By faith, it's going through all of these stories. So turn there and um, welcome online, man. I hope you got access to the Scriptures. We'll have some verses you'll see on the screen, Uh, but I hope you have a Bible there or on your device and you're following along uh, with us, all right? So the story we're going to look at today is the one of Gideon. So we'll go to Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32 it says this, after all, listing all these different people in their lives, uh, what more shall we say, it says in verse 32, for time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, and forced justice. Obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. So this is, you go, wow, you read that, and you go, that's the kind of faith you need to be a father. You know, I could put some foreign armies to flight like these guys that are coming to date my daughter, you know, and uh, <laughs> the edge of the sore here. And, and, you know, so so this is the kind of faith that you need to be a father. Now, time will fail us. Like the verse says, time would fail us to we'll talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David all in one Sunday. So we're just going to land on Gideon today. We'll pick up some of these others in recent in, in, in the future weeks. So let's, let's look at Gideon's life. And what does it look like by faith uh, to live out this life? So turn to the book of Judges in the New t- Old Testament, Judges chapter 6. It'll be on page 205 if you want to use a Bible in the rack in front of you. It's page 205. Um, if you're watching online, I have no idea what page it is, but uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. There you go. Into, by the way, Dad, can you name the books of the Bible? i will just throw that out there as a little challenge. Uh, you go, what? You will know, just, just find Judges for now. We'll worry about that Owen later. All right, I stall long enough. If you're in Judges 6, say yep. yep. Okay, good. Here's the deal. Here's Gideon's story. The people of Israel, they had gone into the promised land, settled in the promised land, and got totally sucked into the culture that had been around them. They didn't drive them all out, and they began to be influenced by the pagan cultures and the other gods that they worshipped. So the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkeys. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they, their camels, could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. You know, you, you've probably seen situations on the news. It comes up uh, very frequently. I, I heard recently in Ethiopia, you know, you'll, you'll hear these stories. Man, listen to these stories. This is what was happening. You know, in Ethiopia, they'll they'll tell stories about they're in a village and next thing you know, here come these guys. They got trucks, they got guns, they got they got this kind of stuff and they just come into a village and they'll say they took everything. They took everything. They took our kids. They raped our children and and they 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 ripped they burnt our village and now here we are. You know, this happens. This happens now in different parts of the world. And this was happening to God's people in Israel. Here we go. Uh-oh, here they come. Uh-oh, you never know. But you hear them rumbling, and all of a sudden they go, here they come. Here come all these people. And they just come in and they just take what they want. You say, Well, there's the military. There is no military. Well, where's the police? There is no police. You understand, you understand wh- where they're living and in the situation that they're in. And they were brought very low. These are God's people in the, in the chosen land. And they were brought very, very low. The Lord sends a prophet to them and says, the reason why you're in this situation is because you quit following me. You quit by faith following me, and you got sucked into the culture and began to worship the gods of the culture. It says that in verse 10, I am the Lord your God, I told you, you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the the pagan practices, they started living that way and quit living for God. So here's that situation. Now, enter Gideon. <laughs> Verse 11. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth. That's a, a, an oak or a tree. Must have been a big one, well known at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite. That was a particular clan he was a part of in the tribe of Manasseh. Israel has 12 tribes Manasseh, then they have clans, the Abizrites. Well, his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. This is kind of a pitiful picture here. He's kind of hiding. He's trying to get some grain together to scrape together a meal, and he's afraid the Midianites might see him and come and take his lunch. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, "'The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor.'" And Gideon says to him, "'Please.'" Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of the liberal left. Oh, I'm sorry. Some of you were following. That's not what it said. You get the situation. You've given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And Gideon says to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So what Gideon is faced with and what any father is faced with is this intimidating call on your life. An intimidating call on your life. Father this child. Really? Save Israel. Really? Gideon's response in verse 15, how can I save Israel? How, how can I? Come on, Lord, please. How can I save Israel I'm weak I'm this I'm that here's something you need to understand when we by faith follow God you say well this is great I want God to use my I want to by faith follow God and he calls you to something it's always going to be intimidating when you say, I'm going to follow God by faith in the future, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to follow Christ in the world I live in. I want to make a difference in the workplace. I want to serve in this minister opportunity that comes up with children. And you feel, you, you know that God's called you into it. It is going to be intimidated when you go, oh, my goodness, how in the world am I going to do this? Like Gideon, we see our weaknesses, and we also wonder, so where's God in this? He seems to have forsaken us. You look around in the culture, man, the younger generations, father the next generation, the younger generations are leaving church faster than ever. The younger ger- generations are growing up. They're non-religious. They don't. They don't see church as having any kind of need for for that. They don't. They don't look at God. You know, God. What do you mean, God and His truth and 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 you know? Are you serious? You know, we're doing fine on our own. Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yeah, right, right. We we don't need all this. And so, you know, go save your child. Go save the next generation, and 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 parents and fathers and. People, as you look at the next generation and go, well, we're just not doing this right. We're not relating to the next generation. We're not connecting. We got these weaknesses, and, and we wonder, besides, where's God? Now, I know God worked in the past, in the, few, in the past, but, you know, we, we can sound just like Gideon in verse 13 when Gideon says, please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Why, what, and, and where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted? I know the Lord did these things in the past, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the culture. Dad, you're called by God. Understand, here's the intimidating call. Dad, you are called by God to raise your children up in the instruction and the training of the Lord. That's Ephesians 6. This is going to be an intimidating call in our day and age. No question about it. Dr. Tony Evans, a black pastor in Dallas, had been there a long time speaking into the culture, especially the black African-American culture that he pastors in. And he challenges, said, look, the single greatest reason, you know, fathers are disappearing, right? He says, the single greatest reason why we are losing our young people today is that the home is no longer the place where faith is transferred. Parents, the primary purpose of the home is the evangelization and discipleship of your children. You cannot outsource this vital component in the rearing of your children. In other words, you just can't drop them off at church, right? They'll get evangelized there. We'll make disciples here at Grace. That's what we're about. But, you know, Dad, no, this is our job. This is our job. This is the intimidating call of the Father to raise your children in the nurture and admission of the Lord. And, you know, what it can feel like, Dads, right, is like Gideon. Pass your faith on to your children, fathers. And you you feel like Gideon and the call to be a dad sounds like go save Israel, right? You know, some of you looking at your grandchildren. Oh, my goodness, how are they going to come up in this kind of go save the grandchildren? And dads can feel intimidated by that. And when the children come and look for some kind of hope and some kind of direction, and how do I sort out All of this stuff that I face, dads can be tempted to say, go ask your mother. So what do you do? Well, look what God told Gideon to do. You do what you can. We'll keep it simple. I like it simple. I've got this intimidating call in my life to be a dad. What do I do? Do what you can. That's what God told Gideon. I love this. Verse 14, the Lord, the Lord, after he's making all these excuses, where's God, where he been, he's forsaken us, the Lord turns to him in verse 14, 14 and says, go in this might of yours. I like the NIV. He says, go in the strength that you have. Well, I'm just weak. I'm this, this. God says, look, look, go in the strength that you have. I love that. Dads, give your kids what you do have. Well, I don't know, man. I'm supposed to raise like Go in the strength that you have. You have time. Give them your time. Give them your love. You got some resources, do that. Listen to them. You can listen to them. You can give them the wisdom God's given you and give them the gospel. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what do you have to give them? Give them the gospel. Pass on your faith. Well, my faith is weak. Pass on what you do have. Point them to Christ. You say, well, I'm not very good at praying. Well, do you pray? Start praying. Pray at the dinner table. Pray with your kids. Just go go with the strength that you have. Well, can you pray? Do you ever pray? Well, yeah, I pray. All right, walk up to your child and say, you know what? I love you, and we need God, don't we? And so how can I pray for you? And then they listen to them and then say, let me pray for you right now. I want to commit to praying for you every single day because I love you, and I want to see you know God. There you go. You say, well, well, can you do that? You know, do what you can. I'm not very good at talking to them, knowing what to do with them. Do what you can. Go in the strength that you have. You know, Steve Brown says something I never forgot years ago. A guy named Steve Brown, he's talking about, you know, intimidating call, follow God. Like, what in the world? And he says this, you take the first step, God will take the second step. By the time you get to the third step, you're going to realize it was God that took the first step. That's how we, by faith, follow God in the intimidating call that he puts on our life. You take the first step. Well, what do I do? Do what you can do. You take the first step. God will take the second step. By the time you get to the third step, you're going to realize it was God that took the first step see what God told Gideon to do, if he says, you're going to go save Israel. Well, you know what his first step was? God told Gideon, well, here's your first step, Gideon. You got to clean up your own family's backyard. Clean up, the, clean, up the, clean up your own family. Before you go save Israel, go in the strength that you have, and it starts with your first step, clean up your own family. And, and, and this is what God told him. That night, After this big call to go save Israel, that night, verse 25, the Lord said to Gideon, Now, take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old. It's like, take your dad's prize car and and a set of golf clubs, and, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. In other words, Gideon's own father has these Baal worship going on in the house, the Asherah poles set up, these pagan gods they're worshiping. And God says, Here's where you start, your own family. You go in there and clean this up, and build an altar to the Lord and sacrifice your dad's bulls on there to the honor of the Lord. And Gideon, what Gideon do? So verse 27, it says, So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. It's intimidating to respond to the call of God in your life as a father. You're going to be afraid of your wife sometimes, guys. Come on. Come on. You're afraid of your in-laws. You're afraid of, you, you know, Gideon was afraid of his family. You're going to be afraid of your family too. It's an intimidating call when you follow him. All right? So, so, you go and do what you can. You take the first step, God will take the second step. By the time you get to the third step, you're going to realize it was God that took the first step. Where do you get that kind of courage? Where do you get that kind of courage, Dan? This is a fearful thing. I know, man, you make some decisions, and, and, and you tick people off in your family, you tick people off in the community, um, you know, wh- wh- what do you do? Where do you get that kind of courage? Well, courage comes—here's where Gideon got his courage. Courage comes from who it is that commissions you and who it is that is accompanying you. In other words, who's sending you to do this? Who told you to do this? And who's going with you? Notice how God saw Gideon versus how Gideon saw himself. Gideon's just thinking, I'm just a little wimpy guy in my family, and whatever, and I'm just going to scrounge together my lunch and go on with my life. And God shows up and says to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon's going, please. His courage came from God showing up and said, I am sending you, and I'm going with you. I'm the God of the universe. And that's where Gideon got his courage notice this in verse 14 the Lord turned to him after Gideon keeps like a wimp making all kinds of. and we're all been there you know where's God where's God I haven't seen you know verse 14 the Lord turned to him and says go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand do not I send you and then Gideon says well I'm the weakest one and, and in verse 16 and the Lord said but I will be with you And you'll strike the Midianites as one man. You get that? It's very important. Courage comes from who it is that sends you and who it is that is with you. Gideon is famous for his fleeces. You know, we use that phrase, well, I threw out a fleece. Where would that come from? The story of Gideon. And do you understand what was behind that? If you learn the story about the fleeces, we sometimes can forget what's behind it. Well, verse 36 in chapter 6 says what Gideon was after, why he put the fleece out. Here was the deal. Uh, He says in verse 32, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, I'm going to put this fleece out. Because this is an intimidating call. Go save Israel. So Gideon goes, I don't know about this. If it's really you who's calling me to do this, then I'm going to put a fleece out there, and the next morning that fleece needs to be dry, and the rest of the ground needs to be wet. And then it was. And then he goes, well, I'm going to try this again. I'm going to put the fleece out there again. I want the fleece to be wet and the dry to be ground. And God did that again. He goes, all right. What was the fleece for? He, he needed the courage to know who was commissioning him and who was going to go with him. Uh, there, Gideon isn't as famous for the other sign. This wasn't the first time that Gideon wanted a sign and put a fleece out. When he first encountered God underneath the tree, when he first encountered God underneath the tree, and God said, go save Israel, I'm sending you, I'm going to be with you. What happens in verse 17 is Gideon goes, ah just a second, <laughs> I want to check this out. You know, here he is trying to get a little wheat together. He goes, just a second, he runs in and he, and he gets, he, he, he gets some, a goat, a young goat, some unleavened bread and some broth and he comes and brings it back to him. To the Lord is sitting there, brings it back to him and sets it down. And Gideon said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who's talking to me. And so the Lord takes his staff and just lights it up. And fire comes out of the rock and consumes the whole thing. And Gideon goes, okay. What Gideon was wanting assurance of and encouragement of, is this really God that's talking to me? Or is this just a voice in my own head? Is this God talking to me, or is this my own ambition? Is this God talking to me, or is this a guilt trip from my father saying, you're just a little wimp and a little tribe, and you'll never be nothing? What is this? Is this really God? And courage came to Gideon because he knew who it was that was sending him and commissioning him and who it was that was going to go with him. And it was God of the universe. You know, um, Matt Chandler in his book Family Discipleship, I highly recommend it. I haven't read it all, but the Next Gen is giving it out to all these families that are in family dedication. And what I've read of it so far, it's like this is tremendous. Matt Chandler says this, the role you hold as parent is one that is commissioned by God himself. It's no accident that you're your child's mom and dad. Whoever your children are born to you or brought into your family, whoever they are, God has knowingly chosen you to train and care for them and to teach them all that he's commanded. If you are a parent, you are automatically in the position of a disciple maker in your child's life. This is the purpose of your home, making eternal deposits in your children. Your faith is more influential than you think. So that's how you respond to this intimidating call on your life. Do what you can in the strength that you have, and your courage will come from who it is that calls you and who it is that goes with you. All right, second thing. This will be briefer. God um, shines brightest in our weakness. We're intimidated by this call, but understand that God shines brightest in our weakness. So here we go. The battle's coming that dreaded time came. Gideon's going, okay, the shoe's going to drop. I got to go save Israel. The Midianites are going to pull it together and invade any day. Verse 33 of chapter 6. Now, all of the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan River and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Now, this is a massive group of people, Chapter 7, verse 12 says that the Midianites and the Malachites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. So, there's this massive army that's coming into the land. And 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 the trauma, traumatized by all the past invasions, here it goes again, you know, post-traumatic stress, boom, a car backfires, somebody dives under the couch. Oh, the Midianites are coming. What are they going to do? Verse 34, but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. He sounded the trumpet, and the Bezrites were called out to follow him. Then he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. He sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, other tribes, and they went to meet him. So the spirit of the Lord comes on Gideon. He calls the people to respond, and this army assembles. Chapter 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, whoever's fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people return and 10,000 people remain. Are you curious? Are you serious? Here comes this horde of people and Gideon goes, all right. You know, calls people together. There's 32,000 people. Now, God goes, you know what? There's way too many of you because, you know, you defeat them. You're going to defeat them. You defeat them with this many people. You go, look what we did. We pulled together the army. We got these guys together. We did this. We're we're talking. God's going, you know what? So, Gideon, here's what I want to do. I want you to tell anybody that's there, Little, you afraid? You afraid? Go ahead and go home. So, Gideon gets up and says, if you're fearful, go home. And 22 guys say, Thank you very much. I'm out of here. And there are 10,000 guys left. How are you feeling if you're Gideon? God, (laughs) you better show up. Then God says this in verse 4 Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. If I'm Gideon, I'm going, forget it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving too. and so then God takes them, and if you read the story, take takes all these men, these 10,000 guys, down there, and they're going get, to get a drink of water. All these guys tell them to go home. If they drink the water this way, they drink the all this way, then they stay. Long story short, verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. So Gideon's left with 300 guys. That's it. And, and God goes... Now you watch what I can do. I shine brightest in weaknesses." What happens, if you know the story, so Gideon takes the 300 guys, splits them up into groups. He gives them a jar, a torch, and a trumpet, <laughs> and, and horns to blow. And they spread out in the middle of the night, and they blow the trumpet, they break the jars, they hold up the torches and they shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Chapter 7, verse 21 says, Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. Verse 23, the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali, from Asher, and from Almanasseh, and they pursued after Midian. So this massive group of people, all of a sudden they freak out. In the middle of the night, they freak out. God puts this panic in them, and they begin to just start killing each other, and they flee. God says, that's how I do it. Understand something, a couple things from this story. God shines brightest in weakness. Understand that our strength comes from the Spirit. Our strength comes from the Spirit of God. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, chapter 6, verse 34. That's how it got done. It was the power of God, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Uh, You might remember uh, when we were going through the book of Zechariah, rebuilding from the rubble. We talked about our church. We talked about everything. It's like, okay, God rebuilds from the rubble. How is that going to be done? Well, Zechariah says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hey, it's not your ingenuity, it's not your strategy, it's not your... No, it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, when you trust, when you by faith trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are born again, the Bible says. You are a new creation. And, listen, God the Holy Spirit indwells you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, indwells you, and he will empower you, and he will give you wisdom, and he will strengthen you, and he will lead you into truth. That's why Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through him, God the Holy Spirit, Christ in me, who strengthens me. See, whatever call you face, you can't carry out what calls you. Listen, what God calls you to be as a Christian in this world, in the workplace, in the life that you live, what God calls you to be as a a father, you can't be it or do it without the Holy Spirit in you. You can't. Our strength comes from him. And the other part of this is God's power then is perfected in our weakness. This is how God's power really shines because we're weak. We're we're in our weakness. In fact, that's what Hebrews, when it's talking about Gideon, there's that interesting phrase it talks about, they sent foreign armies to flight and all this kind of thing, and through faith they did all these great things and, and became mighty in war. But it says in verse 34, they were made strong out of weakness. And this is the whole point that God was saying to Gideon, look, there's way too many guys here. You guys think you got it together, you pulled it together, thanks God got the calling, I can handle this from here. No, 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 no. You're going to boast. You're going to get arrogant. You're going to think you pull all this together. God says, my power is perfected in weakness. This is how God works. See, a lot of times we think that only the brightest and the best are those that God uses. God says, no, you don't understand. I use the weak things of the world. Well, I'm not much of a dad, man. Well, do, do you love Jesus? and can you pray? And do you read the Scripture? Yeah, yeah. Just just do that. God is powerful in weakness. This is what Paul had to realize. Nobody was as gifted and as smart as the Apostle Paul, right? But what happened? Paul said, you know what? Because of my propensity to be arrogant and conceited, God gave me a messenger from Satan to torment me. And Paul lived with this weakness and this frailty. And he begged God to make him strong and release him from this. And God said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God said to Paul, no, he said My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Earlier, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 that we have this treasure. We got the gospel, our faith in Christ. This is a treasure. This is the best thing we have. We have Jesus. Dad, if you have Jesus, this is this treasure that you have. But you have it in jars of clay. I'm not that good. But that's to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not not to us. Here's the point. I wrap it up. Dads, listen, you don't have to have it all together. In fact, you don't have it all together, so just admit it. You don't have to always be strong. You don't have to always have the answer. What you need to do is humbly tell your kids, I need God. We need God. Let's seek him with all of our heart and walk by faith with God in the future. That's what dads do. That's when power, God's power is perfected in weakness. You go, we need God. We need to seek Him. When you talk of your children about their need for salvation, it's the most important thing to talk about, and to get right with God. When you share with your kids salvation in the gospel, you're admitting that you're a deeply sinful individual. Because you go, you need to find Jesus. I needed to, listen, your father needed Jesus. I came to the place where I realized my sin, there was nothing I could do about this. And I, by faith, had trusted Jesus. I needed God's grace in my life. And so do you, son. We're deeply sinful people. See, it's a powerful thing. God's power is perfected in weakness. Our strength comes from him. He shines in this thing. You know, my father, my father taught me so much He's still alive. He's 89 years old. He taught me so much. He was so strong in so many ways. He taught me contentment. He's taught me self-control. He's modeled these things for me. I'm still learning them. Contentment, self-control, how gracious he is, how he's always interested in others. He would be asking questions all the time. How are you doing? He was always interested in others. He taught me so much. You know, one of the things that stands out that my father taught me it was how to handle money. I've shared this before. My dad was open with us as a family. I'm the—I uh, was the oldest son at the time. He was—I was in college. He was open. He says, you know, Dan, I, I was convicted. God, convict me. I'm not a good steward of my money. I've got all these resources coming in, and I just—I'm not doing—I'm not, I'm not handling this right. And so, I, I remember him calling in a guy. And in the cabin up in northern Michigan, my father spread his entire financial picture out in front of a guy and said, tell me how I can honor God with my resources. And I watched my father walk through that and the freedom that it gave him. I will never forget. And you know what that's a picture of? It's called God's power is perfected in weakness. You see, Dad, your children are watching you. How you handle your victories and how you handle your defeats, how you handle success and how you handle failure. When you obey God and when you sin, the children are watching. When life goes well and when your life falls apart, are you someone who by faith says, my life is incredibly intimidating and I need God and I'm going to seek him? And I'm going to do what I can. And my courage comes from who is with me and who calls me. And I'm going to take the first step. God will take the second step. And by his grace, we're all going to look back and say, wow, it's been God all the way. That's how power is perfected in weakness. And that's how God shines brightest. He did with Gideon, and he does with us. So I'm going to conclude this way. Um, What's God's intimidating call on your life? As you watch from home, you watch on the car, uh, as you're here this morning, what is God's intimidating call on your life? Maybe for you, it's just to go, wow, it's just to surrender my life to him and acknowledge my sin and humble myself and say, God, I need you to forgive me and to be my Savior and rescue me. Maybe that's your step today. That's the call on your life. Yes, it's intimidating. Will you release yourself and say, God, I'm yours? You can do that just a moment when we pray. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what's he called you to do? What is the intimidating call on your life right now? He shines brightest in our weakness. It's how he gets the glory. All right, I'm going to close the service in prayer, and then after we're done... I want to invite any father who wants to. We did this first service. It was a beautiful thing. I'm going to invite any father that wants to to come down front. We'll just team you up with some other guys, and you're going to pray for one another. You're going to pray for one another, all right? So if you're a dad and you want somebody to pray with you, uh, just in a small group of guys, you'll introduce yourself and just pray for one another. Then you stick around. As soon as I close in prayer, dads, come on down front, and we'll, we'll, we'll pray for each other, All right. All right, Jesus, In uh, online, hey, if you're online, pray for the person. Pray for the, if you're, if you're with a dad, pray for him, all right? Pray for him. All right, Jesus, thank you for the Gideon story. It's so powerful. We learn so much. We identify with Gideon in so many ways as we try and live our, our lives and the culture we live in, the world that we live in. It's unbelievable. We feel oppressed. And we're brought very low. <laughs> but um, you call us to these things. And by your grace and by your spirit, and um, uh, we're thankful that power is perfected in weakness, and we will go in the strength that we have leaning into you. In Jesus' name, amen.